Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. God or Satan? We pose a little game for atheist friends who show up as I'm leaving. <laughs> um, let's see, Thanksgiving tree. If it's up before Thanksgiving, is it a, is it a Thanksgiving tree? Are you thankful it's not an idolatry? <laughs> um, historical revelation. Revelation through historical context. Is this proper, duplicate, doesn't matter, or a bad idea? Inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the Old and New Testament, do they carry the same weight, the same inspiration? Why wouldn't they? Apparently some people think they do. Until pressed on it, and then it's just, they were joking, we think. Anyways, then the joys and beauties of Walmart Plus. <laughs> um, we talk about that, the delivery service. So, you know, if you care, listen to that. Um, it's very cost-effective and awesome. Walmart's great until, you know, they take over the world or something in a bad way. And then Florida Living. Uh, you know, why Florida beats New York. Uh, and for those thinking of moving here, please don't New York our Florida. Uh, then we talk about near-death experiences, and my phone will not stop beeping at me. We talk about near-death experiences and what that really means. Is it from God? Is it visions? Is it biochemical reactions? Is it all of the above or none of the above? Join us for these discussions and more, and check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the podcast, and share these links. All links are in the description. Have an awesome day. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, in this room or bouncing around different in, areas of in this In this room. Seriously? <laughs> this room went yeah, nine hours? About, like, a little, maybe a little less, but it was, like, when you look oh, at the my. recording length, it was crazy long. Um, but yeah, it was like fun. like the good old days. <laughs> that's, like, how it used <laughs> to be. Like, what uh, what topics were covered? And uh, d- did you and Chris, uh, did you did you get along with Chris? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Chris and I are cool. Chris and I are cool. Um, oh, you must so... be the right kind of Christian, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were talking, and then, um, and then I think after a while, people left, but then it pivoted to me and Mo talking back and forth, and, um, and then Kevin chimed in, and then we were going on about a whole thing. Um, um, not gonna lie, I did get a little impatient. I had to apologize to Mo. Um, but, uh, Mole, sorry, Mole, not Mo. Ah, uh, Mole Molinsky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I haven't seen that guy in a while. Oh, yeah, but he's the, he's the atheist, uh, apologist. Yeah, but it was a, <laughs> but it was really a good conversation. too, so like, it's weird because politically we agree on a lot of stuff, and then it takes a turn, and he's like, I hate your God, who doesn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, we're... Yesterday, so like he tried to throw like the idea. He was like, he's like, he was like, let's talk about like he's like, how am I supposed to believe a book about a unicorn? And I was just like, well, first of all, my perspective would okay. I'm coming from a different perspective because I grew like I was telling him introductory, like I, I grew up on the the sci-fi of life, right? Like that's why I went and majored in physics because I was obsessed with like Star Wars and all the other jazz. So I was approaching it from that perspective. And I was like, honestly, like, if you want to say like, oh, it's it's far fetched to talk about a a, a a unicorn, it's just like biomedical engineering. It's not that far fetched. Um, and then he was just like, well, he's like, what about a leprechaun? And I was just like, you're talking about all these magical things, and what it chops up to is there's a lack of understanding of what it actually is, and you just gave it a placeholder name. Um, and I was like, the same thing could be said about the nature of God. You can say it's something else, but you don't actually understand what it is. So, 
Nice. I was just wondering, because a lot of people like atheists will make some kind of moral thing like, well, even if your God existed, I would never follow him. I'm too moral and he's evil. I thought, you know, someone made a comment about being lukewarm. And I thought, you know, atheists, it's like the secular version of being lukewarm because, you know, they want to admit <laughs> the spiritual realm. But from our perspective, it is a lukewarm position. It's like, make your choice. It's like, OK, let's play a game. Um, what would have been great to ask this to? It's like, you know, let's play a game like, you know, God or the devil, like, you know, how, how like in the Christian paradigm, like no matter what you think, you know, like this moral monster is, it's like, choose one or the other. It's like, I don't believe they're real. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, I believe you're smart enough. You can like play in the scenario. So like pick one. Do you pick the God that you think is bad or like the devil that everyone, you know, in this paradigm totally knows is like infinitely worse. It's like, right. I don't know, pick one. And it's like, if they can't, it's like, like I'm, I'm not gonna pick. It's like, wow, you're like the secular lukewarm. And what are they yeah. gonna pick? Like the devil? It's like, well, if God is evil, well, yeah, but also the devil, because they're getting the God is evil thing from reading the Bible, and they twist it. But it's like the Bible right. also says, like you know, the devil is like the ultimate evil thing in the world. So no matter how bad they think God is, the devil is worse, like from the same source material. So yeah. So I was, uh, I was in another like shortly after. I was not shortly after, but I was in another room yesterday and someone was talking about how they accept Jesus but reject the Old Testament God. And I was like, you are aware that Jesus had it's not like he was like it skipped over him. He saw all the Old Testament context and everything and he stood he stood side by side with what it was saying um, because he and the Father were one. And I was just like if you accept Jesus by default, you're saying that you acknowledge that Jesus also accepted what Old Testament was, however harsh you might think it was. So, yeah, and I know God, like I always say, like God forgives crappy doctrine, but like how far does that extend? Man, I don't know. Like just a lack of understanding, or like you've been through it intellectually, but you can't wrap your head, or your brain breaks. I don't know. Uh, what's up, Joanna? How are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, I, I, uh, pinned a link in the chat. Um, there was a study done on the atheist brain versus our, uh, the theist brain. And there, um, I'll be short. They actually saw less activity in a part of the brain <laughs> called the anterior cingulate cortex. Um, so I just, I hope it's all right that I said that. Thank you. Oh, that's perfect. I, I was going to ask if they found worms in it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's perfect. I, I wonder, if, I don't mean to be flippant. Like, yeah, I mean, I think there is some stuff there, right? Like this, I, I think there is like some kind of interconnectivity, however that works, um, you know, like connects us to God. Like I, I believe the spiritual world does exist and is real and you can interact with that. So, you know, it, it, who knows what biochem biochemical reaction that would have some part in the body or brain. Um, but yeah, I think that's to totally makes sense. Um, anyway, Thank you. Um, and because I cannot back channel you, and you're like kind of my teacher, if if you could just see it in the chat or somehow save it. Thank you. I think when it's recorded, it'll save, right? If I could say what? No, I said I think when you record the the room, it, the, the chat saved, right? Well, I I didn't hear what Joanna was asking. She said, since she doesn't have back channel, I could do something. Did you hear what she said? I think. She... Oh, here she comes. Hang on. Uh, Joanna, sorry, I missed Wait, what you said. In the chat 
and I think I can link it to you in a private voice. Yeah, I have the link here. Oh, you have the link. That's all, because I think it's worth a peek. Oh, yeah, the one you shared in chat. Yeah, we all see that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So I've been I've been looking around, and there are these things where they're not rooms, but they're like compilations of bubbles and people's comments. What is that? Uh, that is the really annoying thing Clubhouse has done, and it's killed their app. That's oh. what that is. So basically, uh, it used to be where you would have like back channels, kind of like a back chat, so you could message people behind the scenes and things like that. Um, okay. But when you, when you see those bubbles, it's like a, an amalgamation of like a hybrid of that and also kind of like not a full room like this where everyone freely talks, mm-hmm. but where you'll record like little voice messages and send them. And then while everyone waits for someone to play that message, listen to it, record their own message, and then send it back, it's like trying to communicate with someone on Mars, like how there's like an eight-minute delay. It's like that. Well, it's like instead yeah, of having it's, a room it's like, just why are like we this. Doing it like this? Yeah. yeah, or it's like a voice, ch- a voice text. It's like you hold down the little voice thing, and then you send it to someone. They play it. Then they record their own and send it back. It is the stupidest thing. I, I cannot believe anyone – I, I don't know. No one can understand it except the clubhouse creators apparently host rooms on these things. And, you know, they're like, it's, it's good. It's to bring people closer together. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the comments reportedly are telling them like kill themselves and things like that. Cause they've ruined their life. Oh my gosh. Um, not that I endorse that, but that's, that's what I've heard. Um, so why anyway. do you, why do you say that it killed the app? Like, did it replace something or did it just well, because, like, okay. So, so because, um, Okay. Six months ago, uh, basically all the rooms, you know the hallway, right? Like how you go like the main home screen, you can like slide down and see all the rooms going on and stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, a lot of those rooms are recorded and there's very few that are actually live because their algorithm just like puts trash in the hallway now. Used to. Yeah, I've been looking for lives. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Welcome to our world. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to the problem. So you basically have to be a member of a group or a house to find the live, live things and be notified. Where used to, you could just put, pick a few interests like science, religion, blah, blah, blah. And if you followed some people, then like it, it was really good. Their algorithm would put proper pertinent things in your hallway. So it would always show the live rooms with like the most people at the top. And you could just scroll down and everything you saw was like a live, popular, popping, buzzy room just like this. Um, right. Except this is like six people. Um, well, it used you know, there used to be like 50 people and like hundreds of people in other rooms. So it was easy. And for some reason, I, I, I cannot think of why, other than they said they wanted it to be more of like, um, I think the term they used was like something like close-knit communities. But I interpreted that as lots of people were crying that there was opinions they didn't agree with, and they wanted it to be more homogenous instead of diverse. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I can think of, except they already had that ability. Like, you could already do private clubs and private rooms. So like, right. for people who want that, you already have that. Now they're trying to force everyone else to do that, and they took away the thing that made them popular. But anyways, I'm going to break my phone. I'm so irritated by that. But um, Chris, I mean, it makes me wonder. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to ask Chris. Um, I have my uh, Thanksgiving idol tree set up already. Um, are you waiting until after <laughs> Thanksgiving to set up your idol tree, or have you gone ahead and done that? Yeah, we do a ritual reading of Jeremiah. <laughs> um, put our tree up right the day after Thanksgiving. Um, it's called Black Friday for a reason, um, and that's because that's when we put our idol trees up, and we we do our ritual reading of Jeremiah. 8. 
but are, are we am i safe because technically we didn't use tinsel because it's got led lights built in so we're like yeah we don't need tinsel so we didn't do tinsel so we it may not be an idle tree and we also did it before thanksgiving so it's really not an idle tree at all maybe it's a thanksgiving tree does that count or still an idol i think i think you're probably still going to burn in the last circle of hell um, oh my but gosh. you may get a reprieve what about you felix do you uh do you put up an idol tree um, so, yes, but I have, uh, been on, like, I don't know how to, okay, so, consolidating, right, before meeting my fiance, I didn't, she was just like, yo, but this is dedicated to God, it's not really to anyone else, and I was just like, well, why do we do it, and then she was just like, this is frustrating, and I was like, all right, let's just do it, I'm fine with it, because I grew up doing it anyway, um, and, and that's how that played out, but, no, um, we're we're talking about putting up our Christmas tree or whatever tree it is, but we're getting married in like 20 days, and oh, there's so much happening, and there's so much happening, <laughs> like so much happening is this is like oh like there's a lot of planning that still has to like come to fruition. So like she was just like we might not be able to put a tree tree up this year, and I was like whatever whatever you feel like you want to do, so. Like I grew up, I grew up with that. I just, I, I was left in the air about perspectives on it. So I was like, until I figure out whether or not I ought to be doing it or not. Before I met my fiance, I was just like, okay, I just won't do it until I figure out, like, okay, is this something that I ought to be doing or ought not to be doing? If you, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you know Romans 14. If you feel hardcore convicted for some reason that you shouldn't do it, then you shouldn't do it. Not for any other reason than you're following your conscience led by God. Um, but Chris, I just I just came up with the best argument against idolatries. Uh, <laughs> idolatries, right? It's like the oak the, to like sing, sing it to the, the sing it to the hymn of the old Christmas tree, right? Like idolatry, oh, I idolatry. Idolatries. Nate, that's genius. That's genius. That's really. Did I just give the really Did like I just that. give the Hebrew Israelites some ammunition? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it'll, it'll, it's, it just, it, it just serves it like, you know. That's like one of those <laughs> right rules for radicals. Isolate that's like your one... opponent and then just make fun of them. That's like one of the like, ancient aliens. Like because the pyramids have stone and stone is in the desert with sand, aliens. So it's like because some dude a hundred years ago came up with oh Christmas tree, and it has this. The syllable range of idolatry, so idolatry, idol, evil. So aliens. <laughs> idolatry. I'm not idolatry. saying it's aliens, man. <laughs> but it's aliens. But it's aliens. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, Serendipity, do you have your uh, idolatry set up? I'm working on it. It's not there yet. Just the tree and the lights. How about you, Adam? <coughs> is he on a call? It means he's on a call, right? Oh, does it show up for you? Sometimes it does. Sometimes yeah, it doesn't. you need to get a real oh. phone, Nate. It, but, I mean, uh, I thought it was interesting because most times when I see Adam up, it's got the call on. And I was like, oh, wow. He's a busy guy. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Santa will put uh, put it in my... Let's see. What can it be for a stocking? How can we make that an idol? Maybe, maybe Santa will give me one in a stocking. Uh, you can use it to I'm stock people. I'm pretty sure people. that Calvin wore socks. 
So according to Bob, you can get <laughs> socks title. You know, there's oh, a tie-in right there because aliens, man. Um, hey, Dippity, thanks for your gift yesterday. It's the gift that keeps on giving. What gift? What are you talking about? <laughs> you you turned me on to um, the historical theology uh, thingy oh. for Revelation. And I have been doing a massive amount of research, and man, it is a rabbit hole. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Someone catch I'm us up. I'm not sure I'd use the word amazing. Oh my gosh. Word... Are you kidding? It's amazing. Anytime I'm learning anything about that, it's amazing. I just, I go through so many rabbit holes. Give us a synopsis for the rest of us that have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so you weren't here, but yesterday, um, Serendipity um, takes the historical method of um, looking at the book of Revelation. And so, please, please don't say seven... that. I take and... all four methods. That's just one of oh, them. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. So, sorry, I didn't mean to misrepresent you, but she, she uses the historical method for the first three chapters of Revelation, looking at, um, you know, these eras in church history that are predictions about the eras in church history. This is a um, this is a doctrine that has its roots with a Puritan writer named William Biginton. Um, and so I did a lot of deep dives on this cat, and uh, uh, his main beef was with the Church of England. And so there was a whole thing about that in, the, in his writing. So... Um, Anyway, so like the, the fourth church was like Thyatira, and that's like the Roman Catholic Church, and the fifth church is the Reformation Church, and the sixth church is the Evangelical Church, and the seventh church is the Apostate Church, you know, all of these things throughout church history. So it was, a, it was, a, it was an interesting um, deep dive, and I bought a couple of books on it, so I will read those, and uh, we will, I will get back to you. Yeah. Hey, Chris, that book list that you were sharing yesterday... I didn't remember any of them. Can you like post them in the chat so I can screenshot it? Um, yeah. I, oh, yeah. There's no. Are you on Discord by any chance? Yeah, I have Discord. Here, I'll show you my okay. thing. Are you so, in the Ask yeah, a Christian so the, Discord? Well, no, not until you take the file paper. Not you, Felix. I, I've given up oh, on okay. you. I'm talking to Felix. Oh, oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Click that top link at the top. Join the Ask a Christian so, Discord. So, uh, so Nate has a Discord where a bunch of pagans run it for him um, <laughs> because he doesn't have time. So Whoa. he's got he's got all the pagan moderators to make sure that there's no um, porn or anything on the server, but they also mod abuse you if you disagree with them. By right. pagan, he means not like him and one Catholic. <clears throat> Chris, if you just had a nicer disposition and could control yourself, you'd be great. What do all you I mean? did was try to teach about textual criticism, and all of a sudden I got banned from the server for 24 hours. No, I mean, like, you know, just your whole life. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, you're like a self-described, you know, Peter a little bit, right? You get a little hot under the collar sometimes, or, you know, you used to. Sometimes. I, I I haven't seen you really lose it in a little bit. Right. I've tried to be better. So, um, <laughs> so Felix, um, find me on the Discord. Let me see. I'm in there. 
Okay, so just to, well, I'm not on that server because I got kicked. Um, no, 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 you kicked yourself. You removed yourself, right? <laughs> I mean, I got kicked for 24 hours, and in protest, I removed myself. So. <laughs> He's like, um, you can't fire me, I quit. Did you burn your bra, too? You can't too? fire me, I quit. Okay. Um, um, okay, so my... Oh, crap, how do you do this? Okay. And that's done. Okay, so my name on Discord, I will copy and paste it. Okay. And I'll paste it. i paste it into the chat. Go find me on Discord, and then I'll just send you links to all of those books rather than you trying to screenshot them. Did you ever Sounds finish explaining good. the Revelation thing? I, you were in the middle of telling about an old guy in England, and I was trying to figure out what that has to do with Revelation. Oh, the, he's the one who popularized this, and then it like really found its way into the Millerites and into Restorationism. Um, and what uh, is this? The, the historical view of Revelation. So there's like several passages that they take and the they... Prophetic view. Yeah, they take, yeah, it's called the historical view or it's called the prophetic view. And then they take certain things and extrapolate them to current events or to events in history. And so, like, the letters to the seven churches um, in this view would tell specific things about the historic church. So, like, you've got the persecute, you got the apostolic church, the persecuted church, you know, like all this stuff. So, there's a whole there's a whole kit and caboodle that goes along with that and so it was fascinating cuz i have never really heard a lot about that because it's it's not super popular in most protestant circles um it's popular with sda and it's popular with um with jw's um but it's oh. not super popular with with christian it's not that it's not a non it's not a non-christian doctrine it's just that there's almost no one who teaches it these days. But I mean, What's if you're popular with SDA and JW, I mean, is there probably good reason that it's not popular with Christians? Uh, you know. well, I mean, if you said JWs wear watches, I'd say, okay, well, you know, you're uh, kidding Christians me. wear watches. It's I mean, popular in the Protestant denomination. Do you know how okay. many people subscribe to that? I don't. I, I mean, again, this is like, like completely shocking and new to me I'm after studying this stuff time. for thirty years. So, like, it's the first time I've heard it in like thirty years. Well, let's hear I... serendipity then. Serendipity uh, is good or bad or indifferent. No, it's it's one of four ways to look at the churches, and I'll tell you why I look at. I like look the seven at churches all... or like churches today. Both. Okay. <clears throat> there was a local application. Of course, to the actual churches that existed during that time. Um, there's like a homiletic application for all churches. Um, there's a personal application that you can pull from them. And then there's a prophetic application that you can pull from them. And the prophetic application is just essentially, if you look at the seven churches and you apply it to the church timeline, the first three churches were ancient churches. And if you look at the way that the letters are structured, the first three letters are actually structured differently than the last four. And the last four churches are indicative of what we have today in the modern day church. Um, the first one's the apostolic, then you've got the persecuted, then you have the, the married church, um, where essentially the church tended to marry 
politics. <clears throat> then you've got the medieval church, which is both Eastern Orthodoxy and the Catholic Church, um, because there was that big schism between them. Then is the Reformation Church. And then, as he said, the Missionary Church and the Apostate Church, um, when you follow through. But I don't know. It's it's a very interesting study. How, and, do, you, how do you guys discern allegories? There are no allegories. In yeah, church. I take everything very literal. Okay. But when you so, read Revelation, Revelation gives a table of contents in the first chapter. I think it's verse 19. And he tells John, I want you to write the things which were, which are, and which are to come. And there's a word, the Greek word that he uses for which are to come. That is the first word of chapter four in Revelations in the first sentence. It's actually the first and last word of the first sentence in chapter four, which is the which is to come. So that's your prophetic um portion of revelation and chapter two and three i maintain are the which are portion which is why i say that the letters to those churches not only were intended to apply to those churches of then they're intended to apply to those churches of today every letter tells you not only is it addressed to the specific church but every letter includes a statement that says to all the churches. Um, and it's also addressed to he who hath an ear, let him hear. So I feel like it's addressed to us individually as well. That's the that's the the things which are portion of Revelation. And then from chapter four on is the things which are to come. And you'll notice too. The only mention of the churches in all of Revelation is in that first two and three chapters. Well, cool, cool. Hmm. When I first I read do. Revelations, What's it felt like Alex. Oh, go ahead, Adam. Hey, I was going to say, I do have to say something. You talked about what do I believe about allegory? I believe Al was very gory. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's uh that's fair. That's fair. Adam is a Adam is a pun guy. <laughs> pun guy. He's a poet and didn't know it. <laughs> but as for the question uh, per, uh asked earlier, yes, my holiday tree is uh standing up and so is my Christmas tree. Wait, what's a holiday and what's a Christmas tree? I've got two trees. I call one the holiday tree and one the Christmas tree. The holiday tree doesn't have any ornaments on it yet because we're they're on order to get here. So right now it's just a holiday tree, and once the the everything gets on it, then it'll turn into a Christmas tree. Okay. So could you say that one is the tree of life and the other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I'm gonna start doing that now. <laughs> Yes, and like I like I mentioned yesterday about me and Eve in the garden, um, that's why we do two trees. There you go. And and maybe for Dippity's sake, what you could do is like put William Bigginton books on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as ornaments. What are you trying to imply, Chris? 
<laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. No, but it has been Just really interesting. So I got a couple of books. I'm messy. Yeah, I got a couple of books on order. So I'm I'm looking forward to having that discussion with you. It'll be really interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm revamping. I'm I'm well I told you we're currently re redoing like this deep dive study in Revelation right now. Um and I'm surprised because I did this probably 10 or 15 years ago with my husband. We did it. We did like a deep dive on Revelation a long time ago. I'm just shocked and surprised at um, the things that I missed. That like, like I don't know. I guess I can, what I'm saying is I can definitely see my my ability to study scripture has definitely grown. Like the things that I missed the first go around when we did this all those years ago or maybe I just forgot but um I don't know I've definitely seen where where I've grown and I've I'm asking questions I didn't ask the first go around you know I don't know it's been really really interesting well so also um a really good study to do is living by the book so, Felix, if you really want to get a really good study, Living by the Book by Howard G. Hendricks, mm -hmm. I suggest that you and your fiancé go through it. It literally teaches you how to read the Bible correctly. Um, okay. We taught a class on it here. Um, it is an excellent, excellent study. Um, my son went through it um, and loved it. And so he feels confident now to be able to read Scripture um, on his own without needing, you know, daddy to tell him what it means uh, <laughs> because he, you know, because he has the tools now he has exegetical tools to understand right. what's going on. So it's been really helpful for him. Right. So thinking about the idea of the, the trees that you guys are talking about, um, I'm kind of thinking about the longevity of people in old Testament do you guys have a perspective on the impact of the quality of life and the things that they were eating in the garden in terms of the correlation to how long they were living after being removed from the garden and then their descendants after the fact? Or is that something not really thought about? My theory on it, again, the scripture doesn't teach anything. My theory on it is that people just live longer because they were closer to the light of creation and that their DNA wasn't as corrupted as ours is today. True. Didn't it end with Methuselah? Um, actually, it ended um, with after the flood, because um, it says right. after the flood, God then limited their days. So I guess you could say it ended with Methuselah, but yeah, it yeah. says God limited their days after that. Methuselah, what? Methuselah. <laughs> I have to tell you, though, like the Ark Encounter is so awesome. Go yes. You get to go anywhere for a vacation, for a family vacation, go to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. What's up, Blue? Oh, hey, Sean. What's up, Blue? What up, fellas? Hello, Sean. Sean, what's up? Hey, Nate, how you doing? Good, good. Oh, God. What a... We had a wonderful uh, study on Romans 11 on last night. Uh, but then, you know, I thought the best way to read the Bible was to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding of the Word, and then just sound bad. to read. <laughs> sounds pretty good. Great. 
that's how you start but this is just a study on like exegetical tools like you know context and i think you know history not my wait what you're Who's seeming like you're saying the whole holy spirit or the scout well, it sounded like you were saying the Holy Spirit with the start by praying and reading your Bible, but then it sounded like you were saying, but then, like as if it was not the Holy Spirit. So where were you going with that? Like, Holy Spirit's cool, but then you you do history stuff or, or what? Yeah, God, God used um, man's intellect I don't think and, I heard everything. And, and knowledge to to uh, so that we could understand it. So I think it is important to to understand how they're writing, who they're writing to. All these things are very important. Um, Sam. Oh, I'm sorry, not Sam. Apostle. Well, I mean, it's, and I mean, it's all the Holy Spirit, right? So, you, you know, you start by praying, asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. I, I, I believe that. But then also, it's not like, and then if you use, you know, quote, man's intellect, if it's a Christian, you're still led and guided by the Holy Spirit of God living in you. So even though you're using your intellect, it's still a God-given, spirit-led intellect, which is why I think you know Christians can read the same passage non-Christians can, still using, quote, human intellect and man's reasoning, except the Christian's reasoning is still led and directed by the Holy Spirit, whereas the non-Christians does not have that spirit, um, so they are often led to a very different, and we see, faulty conclusion. So, I mean, even, even though one is praying to the Holy Spirit, asking for guidance, and then you're like, People would say, well, now you're using man's wisdom. Well, no, if you're a Christian, you're still using the wisdom of God led by the Holy Spirit. Um, doesn't right. mean you can't go wrong if you get beside yourself and get in pride or ego or your own ambitions or, you know, try to make stuff fit. But, I mean, generally, it, it's all led by the Holy Spirit if you're in Christ. If you're not, you know, good luck. Um, that, that's why you can't understand things that all these other Christians um, seem to have no trouble grasping. Is that what you're saying, Sean? Amen, Brother Nate. Oh, thank you, Sean. <laughs> Amen, Nate. <laughs> Chris, do you agree? Or uh, heresy or not heresy? Let's play that game. No, no, that's that's exactly <laughs> correct. You're exactly correct. As per usual of late. So, I mean, I need to the thing clip is, a lot more stuff. I know. See? You're just missing all this stuff. But, but the main thing is, is that we use, you know, um, we interpret the scripture the way in which Jesus and the apostles interpreted the scripture. And that is, we use the literal historical grammatical method. Um, Jesus paid attention to the grammar. He showed us that in um, Matthew, pardon me, showed us that in Matthew 22, 29. Um, he used the historical context around it. Um, you know, the apostles did the same thing. So all of these things, like, what Lou was saying, like, who is the author? Who is the audience? What is the context? What's the historical context? We have to put ourselves in the place of the reader to try to get as close to the meaning the apostle is putting out that we can instead of putting our own meaning on it. Hey, Sam, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I just came up to say it's just a book. Read it like a book. Read it like any old book. It's just a book. And then you read the book and you can determine if this book has any meaning. If you read it like it's a book, you know, it has historical content, poetry, all of these things. And, and yes, Christians hold it dear, but other people don't. Why? Because it's just a book at the end of the day. It's a book. 
and it should be read like a book. It's literature. Are you saying it's read a book? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I think it's, a, it's just about the, I guess, heart intent, right? Why am I reading this book? Do I want to understand what's being said or what was what is, what is being said by the authors? Like, that's important for me to, yeah, I can just read it and not understand, but it's it's always good to read it and try to understand, you know, their viewpoint, so to speak. Exactly. I, I agree. What I'm saying is, let me add this to what I'm saying. I'm saying not to read it like it's magical. It's not magical. I, and here's why I say that. There's a lot of things that are that are that are written that we we kind of be like, oh, that's for me. No, it wasn't for you. It was for them. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and you have to know when and when not to do that. Well, we we shouldn't. In my opinion, we do that, but at the basis of 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 reading. You know, I, I, you and I are saying the same thing. All I'm saying is, for me, it's best not to read yourself into the text because you weren't in time in history of this book. We can we can draw inspiration from it, but you are never in this in this book because you weren't there. The the, the people that were writing were not writing it to you. For instance, the uh, what we call scripture, and I'm not saying that it's not, but the apostle wrote to Timothy and said, "All scripture is God breathed." Well, he wasn't reading Second Timothy; he was talking about the scripture of his day. And this, this is what I'm saying: and people read that verse in Timothy and say, "Oh, yeah, all scripture," and we just apply it to everything. I'm not saying that you can't. All I'm saying is is that from the standpoint of the context of what was written there, he could not have been talking about what we call Second Timothy because he was the one that was writing it. You follow what I'm saying? Well, um, my thought, it's its not to the whole thing that you were saying, but it's to the start of what you are saying, where you said you, you just read it like a normal book. I, I don't think you really actually can, um, given the historical and cultural context, the literary diversities, and then also the translation interpretations and challenges and the influences on the different cultures that were mentioned. There's, it's not, uh, it's not like a oh, chapter one, chapter two, or like, it's not a coherent, it's coherent, but not in the conventional sense. You can't just read it like a regular book. Otherwise, you'll have misunderstandings and misinterpretations. Is well, you, what you're saying? Okay, so let me see if I understand. What you're saying to me is that you're not going to read it like you read everything else. You're going to do something different. Right. You have to. Okay. So what I was going more deeply into what I was actually saying, um, it requires an approach of its historical and cultural background to fully grasp what you're actually reading. And it requires the insights of the the literary genres in terms of the, the context of each um Right, uh, writing, right. Like if you don't know, if you don't know that Revelations hasn't happened yet, you're gonna be like, "What the heck is this?" I mean, I'm just, I'm just talking about in that, in that sense where it's just like, you, you, you can't just be like, "Okay, this is how I'm reading it." Chapter one, chapter two, this is how I'm reading it, because it's gonna lead to, by default, a person first time reading it, reading it like a book is gonna lead into the confusion. It's a given. You're not going to understand no, what. I I don't what, really what? agree with 
I don't agree with that necessarily. I mean, you know, th- sure. Like, th- there's, you know, slice it any way you want. Like, something's going to happen. So, you know, like, undoubtedly, someone will read it like a book, be led astray. Someone will pray, be led astray. Like, uh, you're going to, fi- you'll be able to mix and match that any way you want. But generally speaking, I, I-, I think you almost should read it as a- as a book. Like, like it would it would benefit a lot of people and save a lot of questions if you 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 know, yes, pray, ask God for guidance, and then start with in the beginning. And read straight through until you get to Amen. Like, yes, it's a big book. It takes some time. But, I mean, it, it's kind of pointing to the greatest answer in the universe, right? Like, it's your it destiny. So, I mean, you know, it takes just... a little time. Well, well, what I was trying to say to finish a thought, because I haven't spoken like 10 minutes, um, would be if you start in the beginning, you're going to get all you're, – you're not going to have near as many questions by the time you're done. Like, you're going to wonder, how is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament? Um, what prophecies were fulfilled? Like, you know, why do we not follow the 613 laws that the ancient Israelites did? Uh, you know, why, like all these things, like, you know, why is there sin? What happened? Like, why do we all, why are we all linked to Adam? Like all these questions, like, you know, why did God command genocide of entire race groups? Um, why? Because he's mean and evil or to protect the lineage of the coming Messiah? Who knows? Guess you have to read. Anyway, so things like that, if someone will read, you'll get a very robust history lesson uh economic lesson like you're going to get everything in context and culture and then yeah you're still going to have some questions but yeah i mean i think if someone will just pray for the inspiration of the holy spirit to lead them and then read the thing from beginning straight through to end um a a lot of things will make sense not to say that people won't have issues but in a perfect world that's what i'd recommend right and where where i was coming from is more of like uh, the methodology of reading a book is just linear, one time go, but that's not going to amount to the the comprehension of like a typical book. Um, and so it's just like that's what I'm like. I'm not. I'm. I'm okay. Take it that I'm coming from a more not sec- not secular, but like I'm not talking about like the value of the book. I'm talking about the fact of the methodology of reading this book for comprehension isn't just as simple as taking a book that you would usually find from the library that I, like I personally could take a book, read it. I understand what it's talking about, but there are elements where you have to go back. There are elements where you have to have context. There's elements where you have to understand where that ties to a different location. It's not a linear thing is what I was getting at. And that's all I was getting at. So, so let me try to bridge the gap here. Sam is correct. We just read it like the book, like a book. The problem is that most people, because they're reading just contemporary literature, they're, they don't have to add historical context and all of that other stuff because it's already, it, it's already there. It's contemporary. And so what Sam is saying is correct, is that we read it like a book. And Felix, what you're saying is correct, that there requires a little bit more legwork and what you're saying is correct as well, Nate. But what we're saying is that every book, if you, if I gave you a book of Greek poetry and you had no background of who the mythological gods are, you had no background in Greece, you had no background in who Sparta is and who Athens is and who Corinth was, and I asked you to read this stuff, it would just be a pile of nonsense because you don't have enough historical context to be able to understand what's going on. And so that is the same for any ancient work of literature is that we do read it like a book, but we have to be more skilled in the way in which we read books. Uh, Let me ask a quick question to Sam to clarify for the audience. Uh, 
people were saying that you said that the New Testament is not God-breathed. I can't imagine you said that, but would you like to speak to that? Some you, people you, heard you, that. You, you know you didn't hear me say that. See, and that, that's the problem. <laughs> when people start reading stuff into things, all I said was the Apostle Paul, just to, to make it short, the Apostle Paul was not thinking about Second Timothy when he made that statement. We see what Paul wrote as scripture. But the Apostle Paul wasn't thinking about this letter. He was just writing a letter to Timothy. Is that hard? That ain't hard. Dario? So would it, would it be fair to kind of uh, anticipate your perspective in saying, like, the people who were reading about didn't have that same book in which they understood how to walk the faith. So it is a good reference point, but it's not the only thing in terms in which we need to walk this faith, is what you're saying? Uh, you kind of lost me on that one, brother. You might have to I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand your, I was asking for confirmation and what, okay. Like, um, so it's like, it's like, okay, say for example, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke through the through the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Jesus in terms of how they walked with him and how they taught how he, they were taught by him. And they didn't have the actual Bible in hand. They had they had the Old Testament um, scriptures and, and poet um, and, um, and writings, but they didn't actually have the New Testament stuff because they were speaking at the time. So you're saying it's exactly. good to have that information. But at the same time, our faith walk is not entirely just to be about this book, but it's also to be about in the presence of the Holy Spirit and actually walking our li our lives. Well, yeah, well, I'm not really being that deep. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the text that we call scripture, that is the Pauline epistles, are not what he was calling scripture when he was making that. When he was writing that statement, he was not talking about his letters to the Corinthians the letter to uh, the Philippians. See, he wasn't talking about that. We call that scripture. And I'm not saying that it's not. What I am saying is that the Apostle Paul was not calling his letter a scripture. That's just, I mean, and I, you, know, you know how I derive that? From reading the book just as a book instead of trying to make it something mystical, you know, because it's just a book. At the end of the day, and exactly like what... Uh, what uh, Chris said, we have to have, you know, uh, uh, more reading skills and tools if we, we're talking about a historical document. If I gave you a newspaper from 1947, it it's going to have content in there that may not register with you because it was a different timeline. But you still have to read it like it's a newspaper. You have to read it like it's a horse. So that, that's what I meant. So I hope I'm clear and I hope you know, see, because, you know, people think I'm saying strange things because I speak against Calvinism, but I'm not. So there you go, uh, Nate. Sure, sure. So in terms of what you were saying, so you, you said about how um, Paul doesn't see certain things that he wrote or said as scripture. Um, everyone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but there are instances where there are uh, nods or mentions of how he regards the things that are saying that he kind of believes are from him and then also not from him. Because there's there's mentions where he says, he's like, well, this is me speaking. This is my my perspective and not the not the Holy Spirit. So like, 
even in what he's writing and speaking, he has a, a division of what he's counting as his own thing. And then the thing that was given from the Lord. Yeah. yeah but that's true. But let me add this. Okay. Peter, see, just for context, you'll stay with what I'm talking about. Peter saw what, what, uh, his, what correspondence, and we don't, I don't know exactly which one it was, because the Bible doesn't say, but Peter saw his correspondence as scripture, and he says so. It's, it, it's, it's in the Bible. But what I'm saying is that when the author was writing, he wasn't writing it as scripture. He was writing a letter to the Corinthians. I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's like Jesus, like when he's talking, we're going to get to Mongol in a second because I don't know him. But I mean, I think that's fair. It's like, you know, when Jesus was uh, talking about, you know, scripture, he was like quoting Isaiah in the Old Testament and stuff. Right. Like, he wasn't talking about he wasn't talking about scripture that would later show up in like Matthew or Luke or the Gospels of the conversations Jesus was having then. Like he was he was referencing like the scripture from the Torah. Um, I think that's fair. But Mongol, what's up? I don't recognize you. How's it going? Thought? Question? Yeah, it's going good. I was just going to ask Pastor how he takes First uh, Thessalonians two thirteen. You you'll have to read it for me, brother. I'm driving. Oh, it's the passage that talks about uh, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is—the word of God. Are, are we thinking or looking stuff up? Talking about the letter that he was writing. He was talking about his interaction, his actual interaction with them about what the word of God and more than likely what they were delivering from the Torah. Okay, so let's Let's jump into this. Okay, so a lot of the New Testament writers knew what they were writing was scripture. Okay, so like when John writes, I write these words to you so that you may have eternal life. They know that that is scripture. They know that as they're penning it, that they are penning scripture. Um, you know, things like First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, Paul gave them a bunch of oral teachings and then they went off the rails with the oral teachings, and then they were sitting on top of their rooftop waiting for the return of Jesus, and Paul has to scold them in his second letter. It was like, look, nimrods, stick to what's written. So then when he writes things down, he knows that that is the authority of, pardon me, of Scripture. And so, you know, there, when he's giving correction to the church of Corinth, he is speaking... Um, with the authority of an apostle. This is why he begins his letters with Paul, an apostle. Um, you know, and uh, he is giving correction to those churches. The church at Galatia, he's giving correction to that church. Um, I think that Paul did know that he was writing scripture in many instances. Now, with the, now the argument has been that in the, um, we call the pastoral epistles. This is going to be 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. First of all, most liberal scholars will say that Paul didn't even write those. Um, and that's generally where we get the idea that Paul wasn't referring to his own writings as scripture. 
Um, but, the, you know, this, that, that he's referring to the Old Testament only. Um, I think that he would have recognized, and he does recognize in his letter, uh, 2 Timothy, that Luke is scripture because he quotes directly out of Luke um, as scripture on par with the Old Testament. So there are quotes in the pastoral epistles themselves that reference New Testament writings as scripture by Paul. So, yeah, there's a lot of ideas there. He may not have known that 1 Timothy, um, you know, was going to be taking scripture, but certainly it was authoritative because it was written by an apostle. And certainly it would have been taken as authoritative by uh, Timothy. And of course, it wasn't just a personal correspondence because it was published throughout the early church um, as instructions for elders. Um, and so, you know, the, all of these things together lead to the conclusion that the apostles were, were well aware that they were establishing a new canon. It wasn't like somebody came behind them and was like, all right, it's going to be the new canon. Um, they, I think they were well aware that they were establishing a new canon. And this has been Bible in the Diner with Chris. <laughs> I think too much coffee. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know if it was loud or not. It was really quiet earlier. No, you're good. You're good. It's fine. Have we solved the Bible? I guess. I mean, Pam, would Sam, would you, Pam, Sam, would you uh, agree to what I just said? Like, you know, there are references throughout. I, 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 yeah. I, 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 okay. I'm just saying that that was not what, you know, because people read what what's in Timothy. And they blanket the entire book. They blanket everything with that as though that's what he was speaking about. I'm just saying that when you read it as a book and take it in context, you know that that's not what he was saying. Sure. But just to be clear, you would say that the New Testament canon carries the same authority as the Old Testament, correct? Right, row. Uh, Sam? I'm clocking in. I think he's driving, Nate. I don't think his, his service is. So he's clocking in. Your eternal security hangs in the balance <laughs> while we wait. No, the New Testament is not on the same par as the Old Testament. Uh, let me ask one follow-up question quick. So um, when you say that uh, when Paul was talking about this stuff, you say Paul wasn't thinking about um, the, that scripture you were talking about. But would you say now we all think of that thing as scripture that Paul was not thinking of as scripture? Or exactly. No? Exactly. Wait. So, so you'd say the Bible is totally God breathed, inspired, all of it's the word of God. But when Paul was writing that, he may not have thought that about some things. But Christians today should think the entire Bible is the word of God. Most is definitely. that true? 
Most definitely. But they are on the par, right? So, like, you can't have levels of perfection. Well, he's so just like, it's no, either so a one you... or a zero. It's either perfect or it's not. Well, yeah, I heard, I heard you say it was not on par, Sam. Is that correct? Like, the New Testament, it's all, it's all inspired scripture, but it's not yeah. on the par with the Old Testament? Yeah, I said that to throw stones at, at, at Chris. So it's all on par. It's all good. All good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just messing with Chris. I feel you. I think people were starting to sharpen their pitchforks. <laughs> right, right. It reminds you of the old Frankenstein movies with Burning down. Uh, well, anyone else wants to come up and join the conversation or introduce something new? Feel free. This is going to be a short day anyway. I have to leave in like 30-ish minutes, eh, 45 minutes. I don't know. I have a meeting to attend. So weird when I say that. It happens so rarely. Chris, are you uh, chill? Wait, you only have one kid, right? Are, are they out of school this week too? The whole week? Yeah, but my wife is working from home, so. You're not allowed in the house? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I will be in Orlando uh, for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I didn't want to hang out with you either. Hey, sorry, I'm just I'm about to pay, so I'll I'll be done in a second. Dine and dash, dine and dash. Oh my gosh, my wife and I actually we we're, were like considering it. Not I mean not to be bad, but like we, we were at this place the other day and. Um, it was really busy. It was really hectic. But, you know, we waited an hour for a reservation. Uh, they finally called us. We got in. It was right by the water. It was a really cool place. We'd never been at it before. And they kept coming back. Like, we, we were there. Uh, ended up being over an hour. So we were there about 30 minutes. And uh, we had one drink and, a, and an appetizer. Um, super overpriced appetizer. And while I was complaining about it, uh, the waitress kept saying, it'll, it'll be a little bit longer, just a little bit more. I think I see the food. I think it's in the window. And she kept saying that like every five or 10 minutes for over an hour. So finally she comes up. She's like, she just stopped trying. She's like, um, guys, well, your food's ready. You just want me to box it up for you so you can have it to go. And we're just like, what? No. Like we've been waiting here an hour. And anyways, about the 50 minute mark, my wife and I, we started saying like, because uh, our waiter didn't show up for a while. Like she stopped coming back regularly. We're, what should we do? Like we we have a drink and we've had an appetizer. So like we should pay, but like no one's here. It's taking forever. We've been here like an hour. I'm like, I don't know. Is this like bad at this point? If we just get up and walk away, like I'm, we didn't have cash to like leave on the table. Um, so I'm like, what should we do? Um, so we were like really toying back and forth with this idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, don't, I can't dine and dash, but I mean like what other choice do we have? So I just like keep sitting here for an undetermined amount of time. Anyways, um, to keep us from potentially sinning, um, <laughs> the waitress comes back and asks us that ridiculous question. She's like, uh, so, uh, you know, you just want us to box it up to go whenever it's ready? And we're like, no, we're leaving. Um, she's like, so uh, what, what do you want us to want me to do? You want me to, you know, take care, take care of the bill? We're like, yeah, we don't have any food. And she's like, uh, what, what about the drink and, uh, and appetizer? I'm like, 
she's like, you want me to take care of that too? I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, if you're asking, yes. Um, so I'm like, yeah. So she's like, okay, don't worry about it. I'll take care of all this. I'm sorry about that. I'm like, thanks. Bye. Um, anyway, it was unfortunate. I really, I was really excited about the food that I never got to have. But we got a free appetizer out of it. Bro, when you were like, yeah, you should just dine and desk. There's like the owner is standing right next to me in this diner, as well as the place is completely filled with cops. It's like there's like 20 cops having breakfast in here. So it's hilarious that you said that. Do not steal. The official position of Ask a Christian is do not dine and dash. Yeah, What's man, up, there's, like, there's, like, there's, like, armed cops literally surrounding me as you're saying this stuff. <laughs> Steph, you strike me as the type who maybe in your younger, wild, and free art days would have done, like, a dine and dash somehow at, like, a little boutique shop. Have I got you all wrong? Absolutely. I would never do that. Listen, when I was oh. five years old, we were at a farmer's market, and my dad was going to buy me, like, this handmade fudge thing that was, like, in a little wrapper. And I was so excited, but we were walking around and looking at other stuff and whatever. And I put it like it was in my hand, whatever. I was so little. This was my before my parents got divorced. So I know I was younger than seven. And so we're walking around and then I leave and I get in the car and I'm like, oh, dad, I have the fudge. Like, you know, I just whatever. And he was so mad. He marched me back inside and he made me apologize for stealing. And then he gave me a lecture about how stealing is bad. And it became like a, you know, a thing. So no, I've never, I've never done that. I have walked out of like, a, you know how you put stuff under your cart? I've walked out of like Wegmans or whatever with like the cat litter under the cart. And I have gone back to pay for it because I'm still scared of my dad. Yeah, I almost did that yesterday. I was talking to some people on Clubhouse and I'm like checking out some groceries. And I was like, dude, dude, dude. And I start, you know, I grab my groceries. I start walking out and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't pay. And I like turned right back around and and, had, and luckily it was still all up, you know, like I, it was only like 10 seconds, but it was like I was distracted and I like literally almost like marched out of there without paying and would have totally <laughs> forgotten. Yeah, self, self-checkout, man. That's like a, that's like a whole thing. Like, you know, I've done that before. Like I had this like plug thing that was like the bottom of my cart at Home Depot one day and I'm like getting in my car and I'm loading all my stuff and I'm like, oh crap. Um, this thing, it didn't make it in the, into the checkout thing. Yep. It's all self-checkout. Then I like have to go back in and, um, and, you know, go buy this stupid little $5 thing. It's like, is your integrity worth $5? Like, <laughs> well, I guess so. I never do uh, self-checkout with more than like, you know, just a few items. Cause like anytime I do like bulk shopping, I, I just, it, they deliver it to me. Yeah, I mean, me too. Like, we do the Walmart delivery thing, which is really. I love it. Do, do you have Do you have the regular Walmart delivery or like the upgraded one, where, like where Walmart employees come do it? Like, does DoorDash deliver it to you, where you have to like give no, it? No, it's Walmart does... employees. So, like, yeah, we pay. Yeah, the yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's yeah. so worth it. Do they come inside your house and like put it in your fridge too? Uh, no, I would not want that. Generally, I'm sorry. What did you say? But, yeah. Okay. Like, so, for those who don't understand. Stuff, like, for those you don't have that in New York? In nice areas. Not we don't have... With a bunch of libtards. This is what you can have. We don't okay, have so... Uber. We don't have DoorDash. You don't have and Uber? We don't have grocery delivery. No. Okay, okay let, me, let me explain this for people who because don't know. Because she okay. lives in a communist gulag. Okay, so 
for people who don't know, it is true. So Walmart for years has had like Walmart delivery where you can sign up, you pay like, uh, it's like a hundred bucks a year and you go online to Walmart, you order all your food, all your groceries, you get anything, you get toiletries, toilet paper, soap, like anything, electronics, like whatever you want, they'll bring it to you. But for a hundred dollars a year, they use a third party, which is usually like DoorDash. Um, so you, you can like add a tip uh, where it's like one of the things that you don't have to add a tip, but um, you know, if you don't, it may be slow or not on time. And, you know, it's just like a restaurant, like they're not going to take care of you if you don't tip them anyways, but, but it's fine. I mean, you know, they do work, so we would usually tip, but it was a little more expensive, but uh, then they came out in the last like two years with this thing called Walmart plus, which is um, $40 on top of the hundred dollars. So now it's uh it's like $138 a year. But by the time you tip DoorDash, that's like a hundred and it was like 180 or almost $200 a year. So I'm like, this is actually cheaper because Walmart, like you can't tip them because they're, they're hired hourly employees and it's against policy to tip them. So, uh, but it's better because with DoorDash, they dump it off at your door and they leave. Um, but with Walmart plus you have options. So one of the options with Walmart plus is to give them, which I would never do this, but the option is there to give them like your door code, uh, garage or door code. And when you're not home even, and they will come in your house, they wear uh, cameras on them, like body cameras. So you can like watch the replay live or recorded and see exactly what they do and where they go. They come what? in your house, they stock your pantry and they put all the stuff in your refrigerator. Um, but since I am not nearly that trusting, um, I don't do that. But since I also don't want to drag stuff in myself because they will leave it at the door, just like DoorDash, if that's what you want. So if I'm not home, I tell them to do that. But if I am home, I open the door and, you know, I, I watch them. I talk with them. I hang out while they come inside and stock my shelves and put everything in my fridge. And then they're like, thank you. Have a nice day. And they like always bring extra little treats and gifts for my kids and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this is great. What? Okay. So that is Walmart plus, and it can all be yours for the low, low price of moving to Florida. I'm okay. What? Listen, the closest I can get to this is I will have Wegmans or Walmart do the grocery shopping and I'll go pick it up. Okay. And then I already feel bad about that. So then when the person comes out and starts loading my trunk, I jump out of my car and I load it with them and then I tip them. I cannot imagine letting someone come and load my fridge while I stand there and talk to them. Well Again, if you don't live in a communist gulag where <laughs> Solzhenitsyn is, you know, being tortured in the corner while Kathy Hochul is like, you know, passing her next nefarious law, you too can have these <laughs> services. Oh, 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 okay. And I'm, I'm like super like not rich, but okay. So one of the comments that's like, you know, cause I always call you money bags cause Chris is like legit rich. Like he's got mansions and everything. Um, but in heaven, anyway, I do not have mansions in heaven. Well, okay. One mansion. Okay. But you know, Chris is doing, he's, he's doing pretty well off from what I surmise, but I am not nearly at that level. So, uh, to the person that says, you know, this is like a rich man's thing. It is not. Okay. So, so do the math. Um, what, about $138 a year, right. For all of that. So it's like whatever you'd normally spend at Walmart, which people do anyway, Add 138 $138 for a year. That's something like eight bucks, eight or nine dollars a month. Oh so, my gosh, math boy! Wait, wait, wait! Eleven dollars a month. Okay, thank you, math man. I tell you, I'm bad at numbers. Believe me. <laughs> okay, so so eleven. Let's be generous and say twelve. So twelve dollars over a year. That means you don't use wear and tear on your car. 
uh, you don't use gas, which is going to cost money, depending how far you have to drive for Walmart. For me, it's four miles. So that's eight miles every time I go to Walmart, four miles there, four miles back. I got that math right. So, you know, you're already saving money. And that's also not counting, like, you know, the traffic and getting in a potential wreck or a hazard, which if you do that, $138 is nothing compared to, like, insurance on that. So uh, for, like, $11 a month, you don't use gas, which would cost more than that um, in a year. And you get it. To, so it's, it's bang for your buck. There's no way around it. It's amazing. Is it just me or is traffic getting worse? Traffic and why awful. is it? Why is it that they don't like give courtesy to truck drivers? Why do they try to cut us off? Don't they know we're like driving an 80,000 pound battering ram and we can't stop on a dime? No, they don't. You, People are dumb. I can't tell you the times People are stupid, I, Adam. I, I can't tell you the times that I've been driving and like had to say a quick prayer like, oh, Lord Jesus, don't let me run <laughs> over this person. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't let me push this person into the ditch. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't let me throw this guy <laughs> off the side of this bridge that he's standing on. <laughs> Good Lord Almighty, traffic is so horrible. This one lady, I, t I kid you not, I'm staying in my lane. I'm go My truck is regulated. They govern my truck at 65 mile an hour. So even if it says 70 mile an hour, I can only go 65, right? This lady mile of what? Mile an hour, like you, you know, an R, an R. Those those okay. things that have minutes in them, R's. Um, mile an anyways, mowing R. Whatever. He means mile per hour, Steph. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. Good, good gracious. I can't even think. Okay, no, so you're you would make fun uh, of a kid in a wheelchair, would you? Wait, your truck regulates it, so you can't go over 65, you were saying. <laughs> um, but no, I'm driving down the road going 65, right, because I can't go 70. This lady, okay, there's three lanes, three lanes, two lanes are open. This lady comes up behind me and has to slow down, goes with me for about five miles, then cuts around me and gives me the, the, the American finger of love while honking all the way down my trailer with two open lanes. And so I do the Christian thing. I do the Christian thing and I lay on my air horn as she gets right up next to me, scares her to death and almost, almost forces her into the median. For safety, right? To let her know that she's too close and it's not out of rage. Yeah, it's out yeah. of total concern for I mean, her well-being. I mean... Okay, I'm, I'm not picking on all your heart women, Stephanie. I'm not picking on all women by saying this, but this lady the other day, this was before I got in my truck, this lady the other day was driving, texting on her phone, doing her makeup, driving with her knee down the highway and ran across my lane, almost cut me off. I was so mad I about dropped my bowl of cereal all over my lap. I am a phenomenal driver, so I'm not offended. For the record, the official position of Ask a Christian is don't eat cereal while you're driving heavy machinery. <laughs> and for the record, the official position of Ask a Christian is the patriarchy is good and the patriarchy is right. And Walmart Plus is amazing. They're I probably going to be the end of the world, but for right now, they're amazing. Did Walmart you guys, Plus. was it you guys that was talking about the, it was like Walmart or one of them other corporations just they they just did a um 
Yeah, it was you, Nate. You were mentioning last week Walmart um, has a whole new, like, um, board or whatever, and they're all Christian. Christian women's, right? Or something like that? Was it you that was talking about that last week? Uh, say that again. Was it you that brought up last week that Walmart's board is, um, they just like redid their board and, and it's all Christian women's? I No, I have no idea about that. I've never heard that. Somebody that I was talking to somewhere in one of these rooms said something like that the other day. I was going to ask if you guys had heard about that or not. I have not. That would be interesting if that were true. I, I just don't know. Oh, and by the way, just so you all know, Pigeon Forge is on fire again. Well, I, I don't know if they've got it put out yet or not, but earlier this week, Pigeon Forge was uh, on fire again. Yeah, I know. My kids got sent home from school early for an air What's quality that? alert. That's when the air is dangerous for people to breathe, so they send children home, apparently. Remember when Canada was on fire last year? They sent, they like closed the school. Wait a minute. So, so you guys even closed down for Pigeon Forge? Stuck? Yep. That's the one in Virginia? No, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Oh, no, there was one in Virginia, I think over by Roanoke. That, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I could understand that one. But yeah, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee is all, you know, Dolly, Dolly Parton's town, the one that she owns. So that air is easier for to breathe at home. That checks out. <laughs> I've wondered about that too. Like, what is this? It's just a liability issue. They're not any safer in the house. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say you've you've actually done it. I, I believe in the truth of Catholicism at this point because clearly you live in purgatory. Yeah, so you're coming to us from purgatory. Yep. And once you get here, you don't leave. You're stuck forever. That kind of thing. You know, now we don't have Walmart that delivers, but I do have the county livestock auction in my backyard. So I can tell springtime is coming when I start hearing moos. So that's handy. Yeah, we don't have seasons here in Florida. It's just always Florida. It's already in the 20s here. Why do people live here? I remember when I moved back from Virginia and uh, Virginia is just lovely. What a beautiful state. I loved Richmond. What an amazing city. So then I moved back here and I'm walking in the uh, Lowe's parking lot. My husband and I were renovating a property and I'm walking in the Lowe's parking lot and we're like, you know, whatever. We're halfway across the parking lot. We had parked our car. It was like snowing and sleeting and whipping wind. And I had been in Virginia for five years where it was just like, mild and beautiful and i just started crying in the parking lot and yelling why do people live here and people were looking at me like i was insane uh, oh my gosh you're, you're like you're like that woman and was it all oh, the movie scream the, the trailer for scream was it like courtney cox it's like uh oh gosh it's like what do you want from me what do you want from me she's like spinning around yes. in the parking lot <laughs> exactly that why do people live here? And I got in the store, I'm just crying. But of course, no one can tell because my tears are frozen to my cheeks and everyone is sopping wet and miserable looking anyway. Ugh. You know, in Virginia, the homeless people used to have signs that said, I'm happy. God bless you. Have a nice day. You know, like that. What is this? Everyone was happy in Virginia. Up in New York, everyone hates everything. 
all the time. New York, when it's winter, the closest thing to Alaska you can get. Yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> Unless you live in St. Paul. Because St. Paul, Minnesota is ridiculous. <laughs> we have the same uh, weather because of the Great Lakes and the latitude. Did, did you guys ever... Uh, um, I just lost his name. Uh, he used to do, like, on Saturdays... He may still... Oh, Garrison Keeler. You guys know Garrison Keeler? I love Garrison Keeler. Yeah, is he home. a pastor or singer? No, no, he did he's... the longest running American radio show in history, Prairie Home yeah. Companion. Yeah, yeah, Prairie Home Companion. Oh, I love that show. He always Me talked too. about like Minnesota and all that stuff, and Saint Paul and Lake Wobegon, Lake Wobegon and stuff. And I, I didn't realize until like I had a jolt through there. We were going somewhere, and we just kind of jolted through there kind of fast and i was like oh this is what he was talking about okay yeah <laughs> and we got out of there as fast as we could because it was not pretty i think they have winter like what steph like 85 90 percent of the year <laughs> it seems well like that's what we have here oh. in upstate new york as well and new york is big right so this is really like by the great lakes it gets like this but it's like, yeah, you have, it could snow any day during nine months of the year. And then you have three months that are just blissfully beautiful, like high 70s, low 80s, breezy and sunny. And so it's kind of worth it. But the other nine months, it could just, it could just snow at any moment. We've already had three snows this year. Is your baby cooing on cue? That's like, the, that is the most cooing baby that I have ever heard. And I've had, I've, I've been around lots of babies, like doing lots of nursery, and that baby coos a lot. Do you want to say hi? Say hi to everybody, Eliza. Can you say wow? Wow. Very good. That's <laughs> amazing. Say, say Calvinism. No, say no. Say, say Calvinism. Can you say yeah? <laughs> now she's on to me. She's staring at the phone. She can really only do wow and yeah and dada, which is just bull crap. Oh, that just grinds your gears, doesn't it? No, mama. Just really dada. does. She just did mama. Oh no, nope. no, she did not. You say mama, mama. She's thinking, mama, mama. Okay, close enough. Say dada. Say dada. You say dada. She knows the say, phone's on her now, so she's Christ just saying. Say Christ is king. You say dead, dead? Nope. Silence. So Teach her holy things. Well, we got to get the basic syllables down first. I don't know. Aim high. Aim high. So, Can you say so middle a... knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> Can you say heretic? Sound it out. <laughs> Hair right. Hair tick. Sound it out. Hairy tick. <laughs> you think they're funny? It's like what Mama gets when she walks in the woods—a hairy tick. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. We don't have Walmart delivery, but we do get roughly five ticks a year each. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! Wow, yeah, I love the hellhole you live in. That's fantastic. Keep going. Everyone should move here. <laughs> 
did I mention that I have uh, about a quarter of an oh, acre? Man. I have a third of an acre, and I pay seven thousand dollars a year in taxes. Oh, wow! Dude. Why oh, don't you just I, keep I, telling I, us more about the hellhole? You know, it's like the atheists when we tell them about God, or the Muslims when we explain the Trinity, or how Jesus says he's God over and over. He claims he's God, and they're just not willing to bite. It's like, man, we've talked about the the holy land of Florida, and you're just you're just not gonna be willing to bite unless you have a revelation. So, we've done all we can do. Uh, thank you for joining, and uh, y- you know, your life is yours to live how you want. You need to exercise that libertarian free will and come down here. Here's the reason why my libertarian free will prevents me going to Florida. Okay, listen. One time I was at City Walk with my brother, who used to live in Winter Park, right? So I was at City Walk with my brother, and we're outside at this bar, and it's, like, beautiful, and there's lights everywhere, and we're on the water or whatever. It was just amazing, and we're having snacks and having drinks, and I'm catching up with my brother. We were both in college at the time. And uh, this animal crawls on the bar, and the bartender sees it and says nothing, which tells me immediately that this is a regular occurrence. And the animal, I think, was some kind of bug. It was a roachy thing. It moved like a roach, but it was the size of a mouse. And I am not kidding. Uh, And this thing squirreled around on top of the bar and then went under the bar, and then she reached under the bar to get like something under there and was not bothered by this critter. And that's when I decided that I would never, never, ever live in Florida. I would How many giant New York rats do you put up with, unbeknownst to you maybe, that are like crawling all over everything you ever touch in New York? <laughs> you hypocrite. I'm not in the city, so I don't have that. You have roaches the size of mice, dude. You have ticks that are gonna give you Lyme disease. Yeah, we don't, the roaches never get that big here. The biggest roach I've seen here is maybe an inch long. It's like, like a palmetto uh, bug or something. That is a lie. You, this thing was the I'm just size saying. of my thumb. It was an outdoor bar, and I was across wait the a bar minute, and wait a minute. spotted it. Wait a minute. The size of your thumb? How big is your thumb? Is your thumb the size of a mouse? I am no, oh, yes. the same as a duck. Giant. Have, you seen little, have you seen little mice? They're like the little mice that come in your house in the winter. It was like that. We don't no, have those. That's not a thing here. <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. All right, a mouse is like a... Stay where you are, crazy, crazy lady. Don't New York or Florida. Stay where you are. <laughs> yeah, you just stay there. That's fine. You don't have to take part in Invitation the Invitation withdrawn on behalf of all Floridians. Anyway, so, so I have Steph, a very there's a Bible question. story about you. Let me lay this Bible story out. So, 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 yes. Yeah, so Joshua sends out the, I'm sorry, Moses sends out the 12 spies. <laughs> To go and look at the promised land. Ten of the spies talk about the size of the people and the size of the roaches and the, you know, all of the other really tall walls. And the other two spies, the righteous spies, Nate and Chris, they spied the giant clusters of grapes and the land of milk and honey. And they came back and gave their report. And lo... They were the blessed ones. And the other ten spies were cursed of God. <laughs> this is the greatest Bible story ever. Just chew on that one, lady. Yeah, I was trying to think of a comeback. I'm going to be like one of those people that stand up and are annoying, like, get behind your ear, like, you preacher, brother? Yeah! Woo! Amen! 
Yeah. If I was you ever going to do that in a service, <laughs> this would be the time I would do it. There's even a song about it. Ten were bad and two were good. Do we know this childhood song? Anybody? I, I, it's at the back of my mind. Can you start singing it? I think I'll be able to join in. I, I, ten were bad and two were good. Ten were bad and two were good. No? Oh, is that the entire song? Well, no, there's a whole bunch <laughs> to it, but my wife song. knows it. If I get, I don't know the rest of it. My wife knows it by heart. She can sing the if whole thing. If you're allowed home right now, you'd be able to ask her. Do you She's think people are today. coming in here at this point for like the Nate, Chris, and Steph morning antics Ooh. show? Like we are not even, we don't have any atheists anymore. So it's just us being ratchet. Like. <laughs> Christian ratchet? Uh, sure. I have a question. We've got is it answers. about Joshua and Caleb? <laughs> and why are no. you bad? I'm ignoring your entire last two minutes of speaking, Chris. Anyway, I have a question about near-death experiences and what we think of them as Christians. So, I feel like I'm having one right now. Yeah, <laughs> good. You can tell us about it. <laughs> so if someone comes back, like, you know how this is kind of a universal phenomenon? If somebody comes back and they claim that they, like saw Jesus, but then they're all describing the same sort of thing. I came across a Reddit thread about this, and now it's on my mind. What do we do with that? Chris, can I give your answer and you will give my answer? I'll give sure, Chris's let's try answer it. first. Let's try it. All right. yeah. Chris's answer is, no, that's not a thing. It's explainable through chemistry. We know these things have reactions like this. It means nothing. It's nonsense. How'd I do? That's pretty good. And Nate's okay, reaction my is going to be there's some things that we just can't understand, and this is one of those things. And it may be true, it may not be true, but we can't automatically dismiss it out of hand. Oh my gosh! That's like looking at my audio self in a mirror. That is perfect. I think we should do this every day where Chris answers for Nate and Nate answers for Chris. <laughs> That's so good. Well, the okay, real so challenge is if Chris can answer for Steph and, and serendipity, and they can answer for me. There you go, Chris. Chris you're you you're my giant. On this? He's my giant Florida spirit roach right now. <laughs> Gross. Sorry, Chris. What do you think my opinion is so far on near-death experiences? I think you're skeptical, but open because you don't like making pronouncements on from on high. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Now, what do you actually think? No, that was it. So, okay, so I went down this thread of reading that enough people have described the same sensation. But so, okay, so I would chalk that up to chemistry, right? Like maybe if you die on an operating table, a bunch of endorphins are released in your brain. Like you hear about this with people who like nearly freeze to death, go through this like blissful, there's something about freezing where your body just releases all these chemicals and it's like a blissful thing, right? Is this just upstate New York knowledge that freezing to death is a really good way to die because it's pleasant? Anyway, so it could be that, right? The thing that makes it strange is that they describe seeing the same thing and it's very specific. Like one of the most common things is they describe being in this place where there's like waist high grass and they're being compelled to walk. And then there's a figure. And so then some of them talk about the figure, others don't, but it's always like they have this same place. I find this fascinating. Why would this appear as a universal phenomenon? 
Why indeed, Chris? Sorry, I was making a soda stream. Um, so I would, my first question would be how universal is it, or is it just in the West and it's confirmation bias because it's just in the West. Like if we took a Hindu from India that had no contact from the West, would their NDE be the same? And I think I've seen studies that they are quite different. Okay, I'm going to Google this. How do you Google Hindu near-death experience without someone coming after you? Um, I don't know. I, I saw. I read it in a scientific study because I was doing kind of a deep dive on the subject. Oh, there's actually. Oh, you were okay. Near-death experiences in India. Uh, sources of data, case reports. Two persons caught me. I felt tired after walking. Wait, he remained unconscious for three days and then was able to describe the experience. Okay. As narrated to us in 1975, two persons caught me and took me with them. I felt tired after walking some distance. They started to drag me. My feet became useless. This sounds horrible. Then there was a man sitting up. He looked Oh, My kid just hit her head on the wall. Someone else. Someone else is supposed to read what only you have Googled. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 she's she's I mean, fine. She's fine. Mom of the year. <laughs> Hold on, wait. Let me read through this. If you had faith, our telepathic powers would combine, and we could do this. Just kidding. It's not a thing. Well, I'll take a stab at it. And he saw, opened his eyes, and there was the blue eight chick arm uh, deities. And he was walking through a field of grass that was waist high. Riding an elephant, bedazzled See, with a jewel. It is intercontinental or transcontinental or whatever. Uh oh, okay. In this study, listen, I just skipped. Near death experience is a preliminary port, report from Stewant Parisha, PhD, and Ian Stevenson, MD, uh, from the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease. Okay. Um, the reports that I've read, four of them so far, the reports of people who are Hindu and have near-death experiences are all of something dragging them into darkness. They all report. Oh, no. They all report. They all report two persons caught me and took me with them. I felt tired after walking some distance. The second one was... Uh, I had... So... I, my, my body became cold and then the there were people coming after me. I tried to escape. There were 40 or 50 people sitting and observing. I asked, how do I go back? I don't have feet. And then I was dragged. And then the third one was four messengers came and held me. I asked, where are you taking me? They took me and seated me near what I thought was a god. My body became small. They're all talking about like being incapacitated and dragged. And not in a good way. I was going to say, I bet they're wishing that Jesus would have dragged them. <laughs> okay, so now I want to see this from another... Hold on, I'm going to look up Muslim near-death experiences. Well, how about the one we all think of? Uh, you know, uh, seeking Allah, finding Jesus, or something like... I guess it wasn't near-death, but... Huh, sounds like, sounds like I'm kind of a prophet today. I'm going to put my cash app out there. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your title? Like, Seer Chris, or... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to go with high. I'm going to go with high seer elder. I think seer's a good one. We should bring that. Samuel was a seer, right? In, in the Bible, didn't say he was a seer or something. It was definitely a different word. I mean, it may have been prophet in some, but it was like 
I'm sure they. I'm sure it's like a seer, right? Man, see now you're reminding me of a whole other Bible story we could tell about stuff, and it has to do with uh, King Saul seeking Samuel <laughs> after he died. <laughs> no, no, not so much. Okay, shoot. Do any of you have an account with the medical journal of the U.S.? Oh, yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> there is a survey of 30 Iranian Muslim near-death experiences, but you have to sign in to see what the result was done by University you, of South Florida. <laughs> yeah, I bet you sign. I bet you pay your money, sign in, and then it's like, they all found the correct path. Here's a Quran. <laughs> a Quran. Or however it said. Oh yeah. So what's so, that you put in the chat? So Lou, this was a this was pretty good. So like, um, I saw this and uh, Justin Peters responded to this from. So this is a guy from a guy named Sean Butte, who he makes things up. Let's just be. Let's just be real about it. Like he makes up stories. He's like a, uh, he's a worship, a quote unquote worship leader from Bethel that practices actual witchcraft. Um, like not the play around, like we give, like we joke around with stuff like witchcraft. No, like actual witchcraft, like tarot cards and like things that like would give stuff hives. Um, so he does all that. And then he just makes up a lot of stories. And this is his latest story that he's made up. And Justin Peters is like, yeah, I'm sure. It's just like that guy who stole your guitar and got saved because of it. What? <laughs> yeah, so Sean Fuke has a, uh, he is a pretty pernicious and character what, what that makes say? up uh, a lot of stories. 200 Gazan men decided to see Christ when they're getting the Over... fire bombed out of them. Because they all have like the same type of dream? Is that, oh. Welcome, Michael, wherever you are. I saw you down there. So we settled with them. Like, Hindu near-death experiences are bad and gloomy. Muslim ones are indetermined because no one's going to pay, get behind the paywall. And Christian ones are right. All right. Well, so this is settled. my question, right? If you have a phenomenon that's cultural, I don't know. So there are a lot of people that I read on the internet that have, I mean, a lot. I guess I looked up Must too. be true. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, there's. I had looked up this one really famous near-death experience where this guy wrote this book and he became a Christian after because of it. Like he, he swears that he was, he had this experience. And then when he was doing research or talking to people or whatever, he realized that the place he was, was universal. Like that's what convinced him that it wasn't a psychological phenomenon, that other people were in this same place. Um, and so he talks about that. But then he says that Christ was there. And that he just, he couldn't see any features. He just knew it was Jesus. And then and he woke up and he was like, I am a Christian now. Like that's, <laughs> that's what, but then there's, so there's some that seem to see the same kind of thing and then aren't Christians, but there's a whole bunch that like become Christians after. I don't know. I find this to be very interesting. Um, uh, Mark had, Pastor Mark had mentioned this yesterday and actually I didn't ask uh, it just kind of came up spontaneously in conversation where he said, just because people are walking towards the light, they don't know what's there at the end of the light. So it doesn't mean like you're guaranteed to go to heaven. So I guess that's interesting, but yeah, I don't know. This is a strange phenomenon that I've never really spent a lot of time thinking about. 
Good morrow, Michael. Hola. Um, you're the... Uh-huh. No, go ahead. I'm you're the, the only atheist we have to play this game. Um, I mean, it's not going to be near as good as I so, hoped. Okay, so, so sometimes people will, um, you know, like some atheists will say something like, well, even if I believed in your Christian God, I would never serve him because he's evil. So I thought atheism is kind of, you know, from the way we look at it as theists, it's kind of like the secular version of lukewarm. Uh, of course, you know, they say they don't believe in a God or Satan or spirit stuff. Um, but if they did, if you can put your, put your mind there for a minute, like, are you one of the people who would say, well, even if I did believe in your God, I wouldn't serve him because he's evil. But the reason you're getting he's evil is because what's reported in our Bible, um, all the stuff, and you know, you read it, it, I mean, not you, but whoever does would read it in a way that makes him sound evil for genocide or flooding or whatever stuff. Um, but also in that same Bible is, you know, the report about Satan, who is infinitely worse. Like all he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy and drag people so as to hell. So are you one of the people that be like, well, if I believed in this, then yes, sure, I'll follow your Christian God. Or even if I believe in this stuff, no. I would rather align with the devil because your God is evil. Which one would you be? Well, it's hard to say. That's that's a it's a it's a complicated question you ask, um, and so uh, it, it's strange. There's there's an interesting book called Drunk with Blood uh, that talks about. It was written by uh, David McAfee. and it talks about all of the deaths in the Bible and who they're attributed to. And I think, you know, like, and this is written by a, by a former Christian. And uh, he was able to count four deaths in the Bible that could be attributed to the devil. All the other ones were attributed to God or people. Um, and most of them attributed to God's command to people. Uh, so that's, that's one aspect. Um, it, it's, it's not easy for me to put that hat on necessarily because uh, I'm not... I'm not a lukewarm atheist. Your God is imaginary. Um, I don't say, well, I just don't believe. Um, Like, no. Yes, I don't believe it. That's my psychological position. Um, And the reason I don't believe it is largely because of the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, it's ridiculous. And no, your God is man-made mythology. So I'm not a lukewarm yeah, uh, well, yeah. So I wasn't I'm, saying lukewarm yeah. in regard to like your atheism is lukewarm. I was saying like you know yeah. from the Christian position, you know, Jesus says don't be lukewarm or you get spit out of his mouth. Like you know, either be hot or cold. So not saying yeah. your atheism. Your atheism is red hot as far as yeah. atheism. But from from our Christian perspective, your position is lukewarm because you you espouse that you don't believe any of it. Therefore, you won't pick God or the devil or hot or cold or red or blue. You're just like, I don't believe any of it. Therefore, your position is whatever would be the middle, like whatever would be the lack of a position because you don't believe it. You won't take one. Therefore, lukewarm. Not, not that your atheist was lukewarm, but from our position. So I thought, well, you know, even if you did put on the hat that this is all real, then would you be like, OK, well, God, who you know may, may have a high body count the way you just read in the Bible, but God gives commands. If I do those commands and obey, then, you know, God's cool with me versus the devil which presumably from the very same book, the source material, there is nothing you can do to be cool with the devil. Like no matter how much bad or evil you do to please the devil, he still wants to torture you to death anyway. So that's kind of like, like logically it makes sense. 
it's kind of like if you can do it in a way to like not let people know you're trying to pit their emotion against them. I think a lot of people will kind of fall in that trap and be like, no, no, if I have to pick the devil because God, and, and it just seems like emotion would rule them because logically it's like, well, yeah, even if you think both are evil and both are bad, if they exist, one, you just fall in line and roll with what God says and you're cool. And the other one, there is no appeasing Satan. You're screwed either, no matter what you do versus the other way, the God way, do what he says, keep his commandments and you're cool. So logically, that should be the answer. But then if someone says, no, God's so evil, I'll serve the devil anyways. It's like, okay, well, that's an emotional answer. Well, yeah. That's and kind it's of where also, I was trying and to get to. Well, yeah. And you also, I mean, like, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I don't think I can serve an imaginary creature either, right? Like, I mean, the devil, I think the devil is just as made up as, as God is. Um, but it, it is interesting. There, there have been times when I've looked at the situation and said, yeah, you know what? I, even if I was convinced, even, or even if I became reconvinced that this was the truth, Based on the book and based on things like the, the problem of evil, for example, and not, not, not like the logical problem of evil, but more the evidential problem of evil and what exists in the world, um, I view God as, like, as written in the Bible more tyrannical than the devil. Um, because like it, it, like it said, like, I'm reminded of a couple of verses, you know, it's like basically, you know, it's like, you know, all can be forgiven if you but believe, Right. So, so, and it's funny, like a, a friend, uh, Aaron Rob, he's, he's argued this before. He's like, like, it doesn't matter how good you are. It, like, it doesn't matter. So it's because it's not about works. And you would say the same thing. It doesn't matter how good you are. Like, if you believe, you know, in God, then you will be saved. But if you don't believe, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't be saved. So, so that's not about, you know, it's like, that's not about, it's not about being a good person and it doesn't matter how good you are, right? Like I am a, I'll say I am a good person. I, I have killed precisely as many people as I choose to. That number just happens to be zero. That's not mine. That's a quote from Pendulette. Um, and yet by your beliefs, I am doomed to eternal conscious torment forever because I don't believe what you believe. I mean, yeah. That flies in the face of 1 John 4. It says God is love. And in the, in the biblical definition of love under 1 Corinthians 13, the love is kind, patient, etc., well, that co coincides with Second Peter that talks about, you know, God is not slow in fulfilling his promise. He's patient, like giving people a ridiculous, my paraphrase, ridiculously long amount of time to see the light and repent. Um, so that sounds pretty loving. Like, you know, it's very patient, just like First Corinthians. Uh, anyways, I mean, we can, I, I actually have to, well, hang on. Okay. So I know you, we, we know this conversation where it would be like, well, look, it's the wrong metric. So it's, it's not about good. Like, it, it's just the wrong category. Like, before you can do good stuff. Like, you know, helping a woman across the road, get it. It's a good thing. But spiritually speaking, you're dead. Dead people don't do stuff. So anything. They don't do good stuff. They don't do bad stuff. They're just dead. So it's the wrong category entirely. It's the wrong metric. The thing you need to do that God says he loves you, wants you to believe, wants you to have faith, wants you to see the light, is become alive. It's not about good and bad. It's about death versus life. So become alive. 
and then congratulations. But it's like, you know, trying to like beat your head. It's trying to like walk through a doorway, but you're like pounding on the brick wall. It's like, guys, you're pounding on the brick wall, move three feet over and walk through the open door. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And you're like trying to get through a brick cement wall when it's like, no, no, you need to be alive. The way to life is just move three feet over and go through that door. Um, but anyways. Um, and how do you become I, I, alive again? Repent and believe the gospel. Um, right. I, if you I actually, don't, yeah. So what happens if you don't believe? Then you're doomed. <laughs> However, right. as we've talked about before. So it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> well, I, be I believe that, you know, if you, if you don't have a belief, you can't choose your beliefs. I believe, I believe you on that. I agree with you on that. Uh, but you can, I think where we diverge is you can uncover additional data. So I would, I, I take, you can't choose your beliefs, but you can uncover data as really go headlong, like uncover tons and tons of data and see what happens. I believe, you know, in sincere pursuit of uncovering data and turning over rocks, you will find faith in Jesus. Um, whereas other people say, well, I can't choose my beliefs. So, you know, I guess, uh, you know, someone bring me an argument and let's see if you convince me. Um, so that may be where the two kind of philosophies go away. I'm like, yeah, you can't choose your beliefs. Take in more data and you will be convinced in Jesus uh, because, you know, something's going to click if you're sincere because I believe the Bible versus, you know, I can't choose my beliefs. So convince me someone. Um, anyways, but I was trying to say I, I do actually have to run. Uh, not because you're here, I promise. <laughs> but this, oh, no, may I be, this, this may be the like funnest that. episode. And I've enjoyed this so much, Steph and Chris that I, I didn't even want to Irish goodbye, you guys. I wanted to tell you I'm leaving Aww. this time. <laughs> so much nicer than yesterday. Well, you know, the second you left yesterday, me and Chris started fighting. So that's what happened. Every time. <laughs> what you start fighting about? You have a strange idea of fighting. <laughs> Arguing? Well, you guys keep going. I'm just going to... So my wife, is, my wife is happy to sing uh, 10 We're Bad and 2 We're Good stuff. Uh, oh, did you do that real quick before we go? Do the whole song. Hold on, let me see if I can coax her into it. She slammed her door in my face, so hold on. Let me see if <laughs> that I can doesn't do sound willing at all. What did you do? As a spiritual leader of your house, this is something you must do. <laughs> but no, yeah, and they, yeah, like, and they, we've we've had this discussion many, many times, right? And it's 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 interesting. So I mean, I guess like to to be fair and to answer your question. I would say that what I think is most fair to say is if I, if I became convinced or if it became evidently clear to me that the God that you believe is real is actually real, then, and, and it's the God and everything in the Bible is true, then I would look at that God, I'd still look at that God sideways, but then with the with the reality kind of pressed upon me that this is what's going to happen, I guess I would hope that he would, you know, still look upon me favorably because the, 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 the flip side is terrible and I wouldn't want to endure that, but because God is the reader of hearts, I'd still be doomed. Okay. Actually, Nate, well, you have to run. do you want to, yeah. That's good enough. I, I'm just going to uh, play this while Chris is probably getting beaten to death right now. Um, I, I chased I her it. around the bedroom for like a good 30 seconds and she refused. Okay, ah. well, I got something. Here we go. What? Can't hear it, Nate. 
were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Hey, you did good. Let's try it again. Ready? Here we go. Tom and quick to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. <laughs> Does that count as fair use? Yeah, and and see that's see there's the moral there for you, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, catch you later. Carry on. <laughs>